hello. Hi, Julia. We're going somewhere very exciting today, but we're going to talk a little bit about what it is because there's some confusion about is the that? area. It's the United Arab Emirates. Oh, yeah. Fair I enough. have been to Dubai and you've been to a little further than that. Well, I've been to Dubai and Abu Dhabi. Yes, are- and exquisite exotic places that are well worth a visit yeah. and lucky that we can stop over on our flights across to Europe. Oh, easy, easy stopover these days, absolutely. Yeah, yeah so Dubai and Abu Dhabi are just two of the seven emirates that make up the United Arab Emirates. What are the seven, Ben? You will know this. So I'll put on, let me put my trivia night hat on. Yes, um, please. Okay, so let me ask you quickly, the capital of the United Arab Emirates is? I would not know the answer to that. What would you is, think? What would you, I, immediately I, would think you would, I would think it's Dubai or yeah, Abu Dhabi. Uh-huh, it's Abu Dhabi. Yes, yeah, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah. So Abu Dhabi is by far the largest of the seven emirates. It makes yes. up something like 75% of the land mass of the country and it's yes. got all of the oil. And um, But Dubai has really kind of um, taken centre stage in terms of people's general awareness of the country. So it's not surprising that people, a lot of people think it's probably the capital. Um, so Abu Dhabi, Dubai. Ras al Khaimah, Sharjah, um, and apologies, anyone, all my listeners, if <laughs> for my pronunciation, uh, Ras al Khaimah, um, Sharjah, Um al Khaim, and Fujara and Ajman. Did I get all seven just then? I think, I think you did. Yeah, so they all. That's very impressive. Did you yeah. win the trivia night because you could do that? I usually win the trivia nights, Julia. Do you, yep. Ben? There yep. you go with questions yep. like this. Yeah. Boned yeah, yeah, up yeah. on them before, or do you cheat? Yeah. I never cheat. No. That's what most cheats say. <laughs> oh, yeah, is that right? <laughs> ben, and with the, with the seven areas that you just mm. described or you just named, how roughly how big do you think the United Arab Emirates it's is? It's actually pretty compact. It's about, about the same size as uh, Austria. So surprisingly small. Yeah. And a lot yeah. on the waterfront. Um, yeah, huge amount of coastline, actually. Yes. The coastline's beautiful. The coastline is beautiful. Yeah. And, 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 and mainly these cities have grown out of sand, haven't they? It is astonishing, isn't it? When yes. you um, when you see them from a, a distance, yes. and in particular if you've been across to the the Palm in Dubai and looked back at the main yes. city from there, it's just they have create created a remarkable place in the middle of nowhere. I think um, my memories of Dubai were, was a combination of exceptional wealth with the tall buildings and, uh-huh. and oh, the fast cars. And the fast cars and the wide roads yep. and how extraordinarily beautiful the five-star hotels mm. are mm-hmm. and how big they are. And when you're staying there, you look out the back of the hotels as opposed to across the water and then you just see this run, this vast scape of low sand houses mm. and there's sort of no colour there at all because they're sort of just built out of sand. Yeah. And, and they go off into the distance. And so the comparison between the two is I don't know that I've seen it anywhere else in the world so stark yeah. that you've got flat sand, no colour, and then you turn this way and these it's buildings. The, it's that, like an emerald city, isn't it? It's it just, is, uh, just amazing, it's yes. rears out of the, the sand. It's uh, what, incredible. your memories of, of Dubai? Oh, similar to yours. Um, have you been up the Burj Khalifa Tower, the the World's tallest tower. You went to that one. Oh, I went to the Burj Al Arab. It's unbelievable. Like just and the views from up there are, are yes. probably what you've just described. So you get the amazing views across the water, but also you know out to the three hundred and sixty degree views out into the desert. Yeah, um, but yeah, just a sense. It's a it's a funny place. I mean, some people don't love it, um, and, but I think if you just step back and kind of take it for what it is. It's hard not to kind of be impressed and sometimes seduced a little bit by 
everything that's available and on display. And but you know, just the the architecture, the design, the opportunities around fine dining and great you know great food at at, at all levels are astonishing the shopping is i mean i'm not a shopper and i'm walking through these malls like throwing money at people like you know they're and, ridiculously big i think yeah. it's a, it's it's a it's an amazing city of contrast because you arrive at that airport which is just vast yep. And sort of empty of people because it's so big. And then when you've been in town and you decide that you're going to go to the souks, which you mustn't miss, which mm-hmm. are the markets. Yep. So you're walking along these tight little streets with shop after shop after shop. Of gold. Filled yeah. with gold jewellery. Mm. I mean, they can't fit anymore into those windows. Yeah. And and you just think, how how much jewellery can this planet make <laughs> and it's just here? Yeah. And then, of course, there's the food areas that go with it. But I, it's all that wonderful stuff. You're, you're seeing all these people dressed. Yeah. Dressed in their in their native clothes, as it gear, were, yeah. in their traditional yeah. dress, yeah. outside those jewellery shops, and you just think, I want that, that, that. It that, is, that, and it's that. well worth seeking out those uh, older parts of the, yes. the city. It's not yes, a hundred percent kind of you know built from scratch. There's obviously um, remnant parts of the city from the original. You know, it's a it's an original place yeah. that it was, and yeah, they're really really fascinating. And Amazing, and then you go to that indoor ski field. Yeah. Which you just stand there looking at a window, and there's a sort of half a mountain, and yeah. people skiing down it in this inside the shopping centre. It's a remarkable. There's sort of anything one you after can the imagine. Other or contrast. Anything you can imagine. Yes. You'll possibly find in, in Dubai. Yeah. I I didn't do it, but I do hear that if you want to be as close to heaven as you can get, you go horse riding at dusk in the deserts. Oh right. Yes, okay. and 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 so you're watching the sun. Um, in all its glory over desert country. Those on, deserts are beautiful as well. There's yes. something about them. Um, I don't know whether it's the there's a silence out there that's kind of deafening, and the sand is so fine. It's almost like liquid when you can't if you if you disturb it with your feet, it just kind of peels away like a. But you are on wave. literally an Arab steed, right? When you're riding there, yeah, and they are very beautiful, and you just go at your own pace. Um, and I think that would be very close to heaven. But the other one was I went up to the bar in the Burj Al Arab. Very nice. Which is beautiful. And and you're there. You you can actually go out on it, which is a little bit daunting because there's a platform that goes out the side of the bar and you're up probably, you know, many stories, 20, 30 flights up, and it's where the helicopters land. All oh, right. So they just come in while you're having a drink. Oh, really? Yes, it's a oh. it's a helicopter pad. So while you're sipping away at a cocktail, thinking, "Oh my, the heavens, look where I am!" The next billionaire's just popped in. For and the a... next billionaire's popped in for a cocktail, <laughs> and off he goes again. Oh, wow. Yes, it, it is a different world, isn't it? In yes. many many respects, the, yes. um Yeah, the, the, you, the wealth is obvious, and it's on display, and um, it can be quite mind blowing. But but it's it's what it was is just as obvious, and that it's 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 sort of like a demarcation there with the highway that that on that side is the sand houses, and then there's all this modern mm. modern construction. Amazing, and amazing. Also, to think that not that long ago, I mean, oil was discovered 50, yeah. 60 years ago there. So quite recently, there was a very kind of I guess a a, a much simpler society that. Had an economy yeah, that revolved yeah. around pearl farming and and date farming, and then the discovery of oil just changes everything very very quickly. And wasn't it also built because one of the industries, along with oil, was considered to be um, 
uh, a, an opportunity for businesses with good well, with certainly good taxation. That's, that's certainly driven yes. what today's Dubai yes. looks like. Absolutely, absolutely. Reduce taxes. In fact, well, no yeah, taxes. making yes. making it you know a great place to run a business, yes. and, but also to build a serious tourism infrastructure that has certainly attracted huge numbers out of Europe and obviously mm. the Australian market is very important um, and it's important to that part of the world because Australians are travelling during the northern winter to yes. Europe. We're heading to Europe for, sorry, the northern summer, summer. our winter, the yes. northern summer, which is typically a low season in Dubai. So the Australian traffic going in through Dubai and Abu Dhabi at that time is very but welcome. I there. would encourage people to do that, not to do those long haul flights, because you know you can go to Frankfurt. I think now without stopping, um, it's it's a it's it's worth the two or three oh, days. Absolutely, it's, it's such an eye opener for that part of the world. Now, I haven't been to Abu Dhabi, and you have. I have. Yeah, Abu Dhabi is beautiful and similar. Or? Oh, similar in some ways, but quite different in others. It's. Uh, it's not quite as overtly over the top. Yes. It's a bit more conservative and it's changing, I think, a bit. But, um, for example, their big ticket, you know, one of their big ticket items recently is to open an annex of the Louvre in Abu Dhabi and that will form part of a great cultural precinct in that city. So, wow. Ben, you know, we talk about our moments. Yeah. I, th- I think mine was um, that – in, What's your in, Dubai moment? In my yeah. Dubai moment, I think, was the helicopter landing. I just thought yeah. it was nearly ridiculous to be yeah. there sipping a cocktail and yeah. and in comes the helicopter. But you, in in um, your visit there? Oh, gosh. Um, I've probably had, had a few um, and they might, I don't know, they're a little bit left of centre. I mean, uh, have you spotted the ATM machines that um, – Dispense gold bars. Have you seen that? <laughs> I don't yeah, remember them. So. I, perhaps because I wasn't able to get one. <laughs> Usually in the lobbies of the um the you know the five star hotels. Yeah, you you might find a if you're running low on bullion, you can pick yourself up a little gold bar at the ATM. Um, but uh, you know, I, I guess it's that sense that anything's possible in Dubai. I mean, I even went to a Justin Bieber concert you there. You did not. I did. Yeah, you, it was kind of an accident. But yeah, you'd had know. too many cocktails, possibly, I suspect. Yeah, yes. Possibly. Yeah. Like? Yeah. The desert safaris are great. So typically involve heading out in the early afternoon in a four-wheel drive and you do some dune bashing, which is, you know, pretty, I mean, if you've got a, yes, a yes. weak stomach, it, it can be, you know, you know, can not be great, but um, amazing riding in a, you know, luxury four-wheel drive through the, through the dunes and, you know, it can be a, a hair-raising ride. And then they typically arrive at a outdoor encampment area with a, you know, buffet meal and um, entertainment and belly dancing and so stuff. But it's I, just being out there at sunset is divine. Glamping, if you want. You can. There are some, um, I mean, it's probably not glamping in the probably the Australian sense, but there are some desert encampments, so quite luxurious I'm um, sure, yeah. hotels and resorts out in the middle of the desert. Because here. don't you think they would have been the inventors, the creators of glamping originally with those beautiful rugs they had on the floor and all that wonderful fabric that they had hanging down inside those tents you might that be onto big. something. Oh, they were it. They started the glamping industry yeah. and I think they do it better than we do. Yeah. Do not fly direct to Europe, stop over. Absolutely. United Arab yeah. Emirates. It's, it's an absolute must. And we'll be talking to a guest who's going to give us more specialist information about this wonderful destination. Yeah, can't wait. And, yes. and, and important because this place in particular changes every five minutes, so it'll be great to get updated. And, you know, uh, you just cannot be tempted by all that gold. 
<laughs> true. <laughs> just re- de- amazing. Right. We're joined in the studio today with Suzanne Tobin, the Australian PR and Media Manager for Abu Dhabi's Department of Tourism. What an exciting job. Suzanne is going to tell us all about travel to Abu Dhabi. Suzanne, welcome to you. Thank you. Now, tell us how many times you've been to Abu Dhabi and do you remember the first time you went and what was your first impression? I think I'm up to my eighth or ninth trip to Abu Dhabi now. Abu Dhabi for me is a destination of surprise. Quite literally, I was walking around saying, I'm so surprised. I had no idea about that. I'm so surprised that there's beautiful water and all of these different things. I had quite a narrow picture of what Abu Dhabi was going to be like. I think now looking back, I probably thought it was going to be more like Saudi Arabia than the UAE. The UAE is uh, very relaxed and and, uh, very cultural um, and very modern. So United Arab Emirates, Mm -hmm. much smaller than Saudi Arabia, of course, Mm -hmm. very much unto itself. So what were your expectations that you were likening it to Saudi Arabia? I think I just thought it was going to be all desert. Um, And I thought it was probably going to be... um, I didn't expect there to be as many expats. I, I thought that everyone would be wearing abayas and, and condoras and um, it's 80% expat is the community and 20% Emirati. So um, it's like you're walking around, a, a, it's a very Western city. Um, and with the with the the actual place, the, the beaches and... Um, and the waterways are so beautiful and clear and, and um, swimming and all of that that I, I just hadn't expected in Abu Dhabi. Just before you we... Totally right, um, Suzanne. Sorry to jump in, Julia. No, I you mean, go. That, that sort of level of surprise is amazing. I think it's really common to um, particularly Australians who visit. I think a lot of Australians probably have a reasonable sense of what Dubai is like and they understand that Abu Dhabi is sort of near it, but don't you know they haven't had that really clear picture of what it's like so when they get there they are blown away as Suzanne says about by the the water and you know the fact that the city it's Abu Dhabi city is on an island and there are hundreds and hundreds of islands all the way up the coast and beautiful mangroves and amazing waterways and um so yeah that level of surprise kind of takes you immediately I reckon. What what is it like is it green there is it tall palm trees swaying is it is it beautiful tropical flowers? Are there are there frangipani and orchids the like of that, mm-hmm. or does it have its own own cu- garden culture? Mm-hmm. Date but palms, date, oh yes, a lot beautiful. of date palms. Yes. They've got the beautiful date oasis um, in the middle of the desert, and that's the Alain area, which has got a three thousand year old sort of irrigation system, so you can walk through these really old uh, date date plantations. How wonderful. Now, I want to know, both of you having been there and myself not, what are the top places that you would recommend travellers to visit, especially to get a sense of both the old and the new? Well, I can I can speak for the old and, Ben, if you want to talk about a couple of the things of the, the new. Um, <laughs> there's, there's a, so I mentioned the date uh, oasis or yeah. the oasis in the desert. This is in Alain and Alain is where the, the founding father came from, the sort of the founding city. So, um it, it's a place where you can see all of the old forts and walk through the oasis, which is, you know, it's the oldest living civilization there. Wow. Um, so, so that's that's incredibly old. 
Um, there's also a place called Casa Al Hassan, which is the oldest and most significant building in Abu Dhabi. It was built around the 1790s to keep an eye, an eye on the coastal routes and to just as the watchtower. Um, you can actually go there now. They've revamped it and you can go and um, have demonstrations on the, the handicrafts and, and sort of traditional weaving and things like that. So it's that's a really great idea to get uh, a great way to get sort of story of Abu Dhabi and there's a timeline of, you know, what they did and how things and then through the development of the ex- exploration of oil and how life has changed since then. And Ben, the new? Oh, gosh, there's there's plenty of new, Julia. Um, the Sheikh Zayed Grand Mosque, which is, again, an astonishing piece of architecture, very much a, you know, I mean, as grand and as epic as the Taj Mahal and equally um, um, significant in scale and design and detail, a, a absolutely amazing place, very um, peaceful, tranquil uh, and extremely welcoming, amazing, amazing place to visit, a, gr- a great place to kind of connect with um, Islam as it's practised in the UAE and to kind of get a sense of what that's all about. Um, another astonishing place in Abu Dhabi, possibly the most um, remarkable I guess it's a tourist attraction I've ever been to anywhere, is the Falcon Hospital. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about that, Suzanne, about well, what that is? Well, she's and smiling a great it, deal here it, about it, the Falcon Hospital. Share your experiences, both of you. It is really mind-blowing. Yeah, yes. absolutely mind-blowing. Mm. Um, yeah, the Falcon Hospital is something you'll never experience in any other destination in the world. It's it's one of its own and uh, you walk in and it's quite surprising. You sort of walk into a hospital experience or scenario, mm-hmm. but there's not people in the waiting rooms, but these little falcons sitting on these little grass perches um, mm-hmm. with their little caps on and they're all sort of, you know, waiting for their, their time to be um, to be looked after by the by the doctors and they, they you can go in and you can see them being anaesthetized and they'll have their their wings repaired or the, their claws looked at and, and filed down and you can have an opportunity to feed one and it's it's really it's a really unique experience. Now I've just uh, heard speaking about those beautiful birds that they fly business class when they are <laughs> taken around the world. Crazy. Now that means that doesn't mean that they're flying up adjacent to the plane at the front. <laughs> It means yes, they're, it does. <laughs> yeah. they're actually flying business in some yeah. beautiful yeah. bird cage. Is that's that it. it? Yeah, that's it. They actually have their own passport. Oh, dear. Um, and they um, will be yeah regularly up up in business and in first, and maybe their handlers down in economy. And where are they going? So they, they you're not allowed to falcons aren't allowed to hunt in Abu Dhabi anymore because they want to conserve all of their animals. Yes. Um. So they might go over to Morocco or Afghanistan or some places where they can still, um, where they can still hunt and and live in the wild, and they will go and have a summer in the mount uh, in a, a winter in the mountains somewhere, um, and you know do their do their hunting and and all of that and and experience being in the wild for a while. Can you believe that, Julia? I can't, and I'm just thinking: Are they yeah. so close to their handlers, and are they so important that they have names like you have oh, Freddie Falcon and Ferdinand Falcon? Is that is is absolutely yeah. some of these these falcons can range up to five hundred thousand um, dollars. Yeah. What about the turtles in Abu Dhabi? Are there? Yes, um, we've got the hawksbill turtles, or indigenous, or they come and nest in Abu Dhabi. Um, Sadiat Beach is one of the most beautiful beaches in Abu Dhabi, and that's uh, that's where they come and come and nest, sort of over over the um, Arabian summer. Um, they have um, 
there's some resident uh, marine biologists that keep track of of all the turtles and keep uh, keep aware of where they are and where they're nesting, and then they'll keep an eye on the on the hatchlings and make sure that they they return to sea and and get off on their on their merry way. And um, they're just really monitoring this program to make sure that the numbers continue and that and that they're very protected in while they're in Abu Dhabi. So, and Suzanne, is it something that you promote in terms of tourism? Come to Abu Dhabi, be surprised and just love the beaches? Absolutely. Certainly if um, a lot of uh, friends and family are flying over from Australia to Europe, certainly for the for Christmas and, and over the Christmas, summer, uh, the winter period. So we sort of say come over and um, have a five-star holiday in Abu Dhabi, fly and flop, get some, get some sun, Enjoy the beaches, have a relaxed time, get over the travel, and then fly and see your family. So have your holiday before your holiday, or mm. on the way back if you need to, you know, recover from Christmas and and some time over there in the in the UK. Then come over on the way back and and have that sort of resort holiday that you want. What do we know about gold in Abu Dhabi? What is the extraordinariness? There, so Abu Dhabi has a has a love of of gold, and it's not for what you would uh, what you would imagine. Um, certainly, Emirates Palace, which is one of the the landmarks in Abu Dhabi, cherishes gold, and they the whole building is pretty much gold from the outside and the inside. Um, but it's not because of the value of gold; it's because they see gold in the in the sand dunes, and so they're trying to emulate the feeling of being in the sand dunes um, within the within the hotel. So. It all has this sort of gentle movement, and and gold is everywhere. But because of that, um, they uh, they're famous for their Palace Cappuccino, which is twenty four karat gold on top of the cappuccino. <laughs> so it goes for about sells for about twenty dollars a drink, um, and you regularly have a, a gold moustache when you when you have a sip, um, and also twenty four karat gold facial. Um, in fact, they do a five hour, five six hour spa treatment, which is called a day of gold. And it's like gold oil massage and a 24 karat gold facial and a number of other gold related treatments. Does it extend to the jewellery? Um, yes, they they certainly, certainly cherish their gold in and certain elements, of, you know, through the wedding and stuff have a lot of gold adornment. Now, for those of us who don't know it, Suzanne, what is it that most people would find surprising when they visit? So, I, I two things. I did mention the, the beaches and the and the beauty of of the beaches and the ocean. But secondly, um, the thing that slowly creeps up on visitors uh, when they're staying there and once they leave, they're they're really aware of it. Is the is the sense of hospitality? Um, back in the Bedouin days, travelers who were passing through the camps would often would be always offered coffee and dates and then they would be given, you know, a room to stay in the camp and food and they'd be well looked after until these travellers were ready to move on. And this is still the essence in Abu Dhabi. As soon as you walk into a hotel, you'd be greeted with a sea of beautiful smiles and they're offering you coffee and dates. There's there's people who just whose role it is to stand there and and welcome you. How wonderful. Uh, it was, it's gorgeous. And there's geographically... Um, Abu Dhabi is in the middle of the world, so all of the all of their staff are from every different location in the world that you you wouldn't experience here or in America or anywhere. It's you have someone from Uzbekistan and Jordan and you know um, Philippines and every bit of every bit of the world, and yet and they all cherish this this hospitality and they really know that it's they get such a pleasure in welcoming you and and sort of 
um, emulating this this sort of welcome that that used to transcend from years and years and years ago. Yeah, it's 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 interesting that I, I've I've certainly felt that um, sense of being welcome in um, in Abu Dhabi over and over again. It becomes very um, very common commonplace, but but really really lovely. Hey, um, Suzanne, one of the things we always talk about on Taste Bud Traveller are those sort of magic moments that you have when you're travelling. So, you know, a moment where you just kind of literally you know, gasp or time stops for a, for a second whilst you take in something extraordinary in front of you. Um, you actually described um, mine in Abu Dhabi earlier, that moment when you walk into the waiting room at the, at the um, Falcon Hospital is yeah. is absolutely mind-blowing. Okay. Um, do, do you have any or do you have a specific moment like that yourself um, from any of your trips to Abu Dhabi? Yes, absolutely. Um, one trip a year or two ago, I was lucky to take some journalists over uh, to experience a brunch in the clouds, which is held at the St Regis on the Corniche. Um, so Friday brunches are, as you would know, Ben, they are mm. um, an institution in Abu Dhabi. Mm-hmm. They don't start in the morning. They start at, at one. So the brunch thing's a bit out of whack anyway. I know. I've never, I've never understood that. I know, anyway, I, I I'm happy to overlook it Exactly. it's so much fun. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> brunch so, somewhere in the world. That's it. Mm. So it starts at one and it goes to about five or six or, you know, midnight, depending on, on how you're going. But it's it's about the um, four or five hours of the most amazing food laid out and it's it's almost kilometres of food and buffets mm. and there's, you know, there's a Peking duck stand and there's all these amazing different stands of different, all of your favourite food. And it's also so in the, up in the um, brunch in the clouds, it was up in their penthouse suite, which is suspended between the two buildings. Um, mm. And it, um, they do it once once a month, and in each room. So we were up in the penthouse, which was you know a gasp moment anyway. But mm. in each of the bedroom, in each of the rooms in the penthouse was dedicated to a different type of food. So the first room you walked into was seafood. It's just it's just this amazing display of seafood that completes the room. The next room was cheeses, and then the next room was. Um, meats and and then bread and then there's a cocktail room and a chocolate room and and it was it was beyond my wildest wildest dreams um, and mm. the cherry on the top they were serving cristal champagne so cristal champagne very wonderful so it's okay to drink in Abu Dhabi is it oh absolutely you can you can absolutely drink in Abu Dhabi there's there's no trouble with that at all they uh, there's it's eighty percent expats so there is. There is quite a drinking culture. So, how much do you need to adhere to the traditions of Abu Dhabi in terms of dress code, etc.? Um, look, the only place that you will your dress will come into question is at the Sheikh Zayed Grand Mosque. Yes, um, but they will give you an abaya to wear. So, when you turn up, um, you'll go through the visitor centre and they will they will give it to you. So, it's it's no trouble at all. The rest of the time wear what you like. It's so it's similar in Europe when you go into churches in Europe. If your shoulders are exposed, they'll give you something to wear. So it's exactly. just it's just following the religious traditions of the of the country. That's it. Suzanne, thank you enormously for that. Of, of wanting in fact tempting us terribly to go to Abu Dhabi. When Ben you've been, so I can't say to you, what about this one? Because mm-hmm. you're just gonna have to take me. But I, I think we're yeah absolutely we need to go, Joy, because you yep. need to try one of these um, these brunches and perhaps a gold uh, facial. Sounds like you. I think I could, I could do a gold facial, Ben. I don't mind yeah. the idea of gold coffee either and a gold moustache. <laughs> okay, let's do it. You could do the same. 
Um, and Suzanne, where do our listeners find more information if, if they want to? If they go to visit abudabi.ae, yes. um, they'll find all of the information and some itinerary suggestions and lots of lots of good information there. That would be amazing. Thank you. Thanks, Suzanne. Thanks, Ben. Now, there are so many delicious things to eat in the United Arab Emirates, it's hard to know where to start. Luckily, we have an expert guide with us today, and she's Farida Ahmed, a serious foodie with extensive hospitality experience. Farida is the general manager of Frying Pan Adventures and the co-host of Dubai's first food podcast called The Frying Pan Diaries. And Farida, it's a great pleasure to welcome you to the show today. Hello to you. Hi there. Thank you so much for having me. Now, can we start by talking about Emirati cuisine? What does the traditional diet look like and what does modern eating look like in the Emirates today? All right. So when it comes to traditional cuisine, if we have to go back in history, the food was a product of, of course, the climate and the geography, which is true all across the world. So traditionally, people who were closer to the coast or who lived by the coast, their diet consisted predominantly of seafood, a lot of fish, both in its fresh and preserved forms. And then you had desert Bedouins or the nomads, as we call them, and their diet had to be very sustaining to get through those grueling desert days. So there was a lot of dates, uh, milk products from their camels and goats you know, cracked wheat as well, and meat, again, from goats and camels when necessary. So, and and has and when, that is that the basis of the modern-day diet? Well, the modern-day diet is more reflective of Dubai as a city that it's become. And Dubai, I like to call it, it is very cosmopolitan. It is a melting pot of flavors. I mean, when you have an expat population, which is well over 80%, uh, you're talking about a lot of flavors having come into the region. So, of course, Emirati cuisine, while at homes, is still probably traditional, but they have, there has been this osmosis of flavors as well, where they've embraced a lot of new flavors brought in by all these different communities that have been calling the city home for decades now, if not even longer than that. Now, so if a traveler is coming to Dubai for one day, two days, three days, where should they go to find a traditional meal or where should they go to find what you think is um, exactly what Dubai is foodie-wise these days? If we're talking about traditional Emirati cuisine, there are luckily some amazing places here that showcase it. The first place that I would advise people to go to is SMCCU, the Sheikh Mohammed Center for Culture and Understanding. And that is a lovely little area located in the historical Fahidi district, so the older part of the city. And not only do they serve traditional homestyle meals, but you also have the chance to engage in Q&A with Emiratis because they are the ones who are actually hosting these meals and guiding people through local Emirati culture. Um, another place that I would recommend is the Arabian Tea House, again, located in that same historical Sahidi district area. And with our team, uh, we also like Al-Fanar. So these are the three places uh, which I would say are my go-to 
for experiencing traditional Emirati food. So sorry, can you say that again? Where that your traditional, the the way you go for the most traditional food is where the traveller should go, and where is that? So there is the SMCCU or the Sheikh Mohammed Centre for Cultural Understanding. Yes located in the historical Fahidi district. Yes. The Arabian Tea House, which is also located in the same district. And then you have Al Fanar, which is located at the Dubai Festival City Mall. And they've opened up a new branch recently, which is located in the Al Sif heritage area. Sounds wonderful. And what about fine dining experiences? I imagine there's a lot in Dubai. Oh my gosh, there are so many in Dubai. It is hard to pick, but most of the fine dining experiences you will find are focused within the newer side of the city. So whether you have a Nobu's, whether you have a La Petite Maison, recently I think Chef Jose Avier also inaugurated Tashka, which is in the Mandarin. There are plenty of those experiences to be had. I mean, if you just did a Google search of fine dining, you would be spoiled for choice. Australian travellers stop over in Dubai, as we know, often time only for short layovers. Are there any places you can suggest in or around the airport that are a must try? Absolutely. In fact, the neighbourhood that I live in is located within 15 minutes driving distance of the Dubai airport. This is without traffic, but also it's very metro accessible. So I live on a street called Ridgar Road, which has a metro station that connects directly to the Dubai airport. So if travellers were to hop on, get off at the Ridgar metro station and just wander down that neighbourhood, they would come across a plethora of restaurants serving every kind of cuisine in terms of Middle Eastern food. You'd be spoiled for choice again. you you would have a restaurant serving you Syrian-style Middle Eastern food, another restaurant serving you Iraqi-style food, Egyptian-style food. And in between that, there are a lot of restaurants that also serve Pinoy or Filipino cuisine alongside restaurants that will serve you food from the Indian subcontinent. Now, given that there are some people who can't get to Dubai at all, what we like to do on Taste Bud Traveller is to give our listeners a simple recipe of the area of which we are speaking, that, that that country. Dubai sounds absolutely amazing. What simple recipe would you have for our listeners that could give them absolutely the flavour of Dubai? All right. So I will be honest. I did a Google search for an ingredient because I didn't want to share something where you would not be able to find that ingredient back in Australia. And yeah. luckily, as it turns out, you can find it. Uh, it is an ingredient that we call lumi. It's basically a dried lime. It's usually tan to a darkish tan color. And we love using it in the Gulf region. It is one of my most favorite ingredients. So it's this little dried lime. And all you would need to do is pierce holes in it using a skewer or a fork. And then you just pop that into a bubbling stew. Uh, You can even put it in the cavity of a roasted chicken if you like. And that will just infuse your stew or your poultry or your meat with this lovely citrus tang. We also like to grind it to a powder sometimes and use it in marinades and rubs. It is an absolutely brilliant ingredient. It's a lumi. It's called lumi. And where do we go and get it when we're here? Well, my Google search showed there are certain online stores that you have that stock them. I'm not really sure exactly where you would go, but I think one of the searches also popped up Woolworths. Oh my goodness me. 
Let's just <laughs> spell it. Can you spell I, I it for Googling us? Yeah, I, I didn't want to suggest an ingredient that people would not be no. able to get a hold of because I I know for a fact that it's not always easy to carry ingredients back into Australia. So I do know that if you just Google search by Lumi, and that is spelled L-O-O-M-I in Australia, it did turn up results. There you go. It's a lovely word too, Lumi. It's a really pretty word. It sounds very it's interesting. It's easy to, to remember. <laughs> yeah. And sounds very good to be able to put it. So you you suggest with a Lumi once we've pierced it, we can put it in a, in a chicken cavity and we can put it in a stew. So that means we can give yeah. a Dubai flavour to one of our ordinary yeah. dishes. Absolutely. Oh, and that's it great. is, like I said, one of my most favorite ingredients. Um, it's really, really something that you should try. Now, where do people go to find more about what you're doing, Frying Pan Diaries? So the best way to look us up uh, yes. is our website, which is www.fryingpanadventures.com. And you'll find details on what we do, as well as our podcast, The Frying Pan Diaries. The podcast is also available on major platforms like iTunes and the Google Play Store. Sounds wonderful. Thank you very much for giving us your time today. Thank you so much once again for having me. Listeners, hello again. We have a treat in store for you. We're talking to Mohammed Falil Jayar, who's the head mixologist at the Burj Al Arab, which is one of Dubai's most iconic and exquisite hotels. Mohammed is specifically the master mixologist at Gold on 27. Now, you can imagine that that means the 27th floor, which is the one of the swankiest and most exciting night spots that you will ever go to, including just itself in Burj Al Arab. Mohammed, thank you very much for taking the time to chat with us today and welcome to the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to have you with us. Now, let's go back to Gold on 27, Mohammed. Can you describe a little bit about what that looks like? Because I remember having a cocktail there and thinking that I was as close to heaven as you can probably get, being up so high, but being absolutely excited by the fact that the helicopter pad was just beyond where we were sitting and having the world's best cocktail. So, yeah, when it comes to Gold on 27, the location of Golden 27 is uh, 200 meters above sea level. So as we know, the height of the bird is 321. And I could imagine when you say you enjoyed, you can imagine you having the skyscape of Dubai in front of you. Yes, enjoying beautiful Enjoying a beautiful view. cocktail. As I said, a beautiful view. Enjoying uh, a beautiful cocktail. So yeah, the view itself, the location of the Burj Arab and the location of the bar makes it a wow factor. So when it comes to cocktails uh, that I created the Burj Arab, there would uh, there be few to be named. It's called the Burj Royal. We got the eyes looking at heaven. Uh, we got a drink called a drink among the clouds. As I said, we are two hundred meters above sea level. Yes. And uh, all time favorite was a drink called Time Pearl, which was eventually one of the first recipes that uh, that had on the menu at, at the Bajan Arab. So uh, the, in this recipe, it was a beautiful combination between gin, thyme, jasmine pearl tea, grapefruit, egg whites, uh, combining all these beautiful luxury ingredients into one drink was, would, would, would be my, my uh, ultimate favorite. That's your favorite? What well, is it sweet, sour, tart, creamy? So, uh, it, 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 
it has all the elements that you just mentioned. Yes. So you have the uh, sourness from the spring grapefruit that comes from Spain. Mm-hmm. Then you have this earthiness from thyme. Uh, then you have the floral notes from the elderflower syrup and the botanical gin that eventually balance the cocktail. Can can you just tell me what the colour eventually is? It would be a light, light pinkish drink. Oh, and sounds... a nice uh, foam on top with egg white. So you have the nice texture. So your lips would be more watering. <laughs> it sounds absolutely wonderful. Now, let me, so if um, travellers don't remember it when they go there, and they just need to read a cocktail list, what do you think that they should be looking for? Or do you think they should just randomly choose something or just pick the base that's their favourite, like gin or whiskey or whatever? How should they read your Burj Al Arab cocktail list? So I I always encourage uh, the guests to try the, the, the drinks that's more into culturally connected, that's incorporated with herbs and spices, that's unique to Middle East. Yes. So because when it comes to the UAE culture, you have so many beautiful uh, spices that still uh, to be, uh, I would say, to be, to be tried on. So you have so many items, as I said, you have the sumac, zatar, camel milk, dates, rose water. So I always encourage them to try something new because you can still uh, try your favorite cosmopolitan Mojito or Pina Colada, but why not you try something different? End of the day, you're in Dubai and you're on holiday, so why not try something new? Normally, when we're talking to our people about food or drinks on Taste Bud Traveller, we ask if there's a very simple recipe that you could you could give the listeners that they could do at home. Is there something very simple and very easy that you suggest as a, as a cocktail that probably would be splendid in Dubai and if we could do it here in Australia it would be even more so? Just something simple and easy, even if it's a mocktail, um, Muhammad. Something simple and easy. Yeah. So, yes, why not? Well, let's, uh, there's one of our ultimate favourites as we call the Burj Royal. It's a blend of mixed berries. So you have the fresh raspberries, blackberries, and blueberries. You would have them fresh, and you would muddle it to make sure you get the beautiful essence. Yes. And then we add uh, vanilla syrup for some sweetness. Vanilla, yes. Vanilla, yes. Yes. Uh, syrup or a dash of essence you could use, but make sure we don't overpower it. And then we add Chambord. Chambord is a liqueur that's produced in France, but also has the same uh, characters and a bit of honey onto it. And then a bit of, you'll say, water, adding a bit of water onto the drink, making sure it's well shaken and then topped up with champagne. Or ah. if you have some Prosecco or sparkling wine, something luxury that you could invite your friends and serve it at home. It sounds absolutely amazing. Do you actually serve that at that uh, on gold on yes, 27? You do. Yes. Mohammed, thank you so much for joining us. Um, before you go, can you tell us where our listeners can keep up with your work and find out more about gold on 27? Yes. Uh, you could follow us through Virgin uh, Lab, hashtag Virgin Lab, Instagram, hashtag uh, golden27. Right. Uh, you'll be able to see our lovely uh, creativities. It is um, 
and imagine, okay, what's beyond experience. So yes, uh, I would recommend following the goal of the seven and Virtual Lab. Thank you very much. Um, it's just amazing and I hope we've convinced everybody to go there because it'll be a moment in their life. Thank you. Ben, you know what? This is just such a wonderful pastime, sitting here and talking about it. Not quite as good as going, but however... It's up there. Uh, it is, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Enough to feel the travel soul, I mm-hmm. have to say. So um, I totally enjoy it. Thank you for all your information no too. I love nothing more than a good bit of travel natter. Me too. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And you're good at it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And listeners, don't forget to rate, review and subscribe and uh, tell your friends and family all about Taste by Traveller. And we love hearing from you. So be sure to leave comments wherever you get your podcasts and uh, we look forward to taking you on another journey soon. See you later, Ben. Ciao. And listeners, bye. Bye.